Hey, this is Chase. This episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. HoneyBook asked Natalie Frank about how she took her creative passion from a side hustle to a full-time business. And in today's episode, you'll hear a little clip with her talking about how she uses HoneyBook to do what she loves full-time. So stay tuned for that. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! What is up? What is up? Oh my God, I am pumped. You're an entrepreneur, or you want to be, or you're a wantrepreneur. Doesn't matter what you call yourself, you're creative. What are you, are you a creative? Who the hell isn't creative? Do you not think you're creative? You are. Do you think you can earn a living doing something you care about? Maybe you can't. I don't know. But you're listening to this because you want to try at least. Or because you're already doing it. That's what this show is about and for. For people who are earning a living doing something they actually care about. And it's a good one today. It's a good one today. Because we are talking about how do you you land and deliver great speaking gigs. Now, you might not be thinking about speaking at all in your life right now. You might not be, it might not be on your radar. So in that case, listen up because there's some things that speaking can help you with that are both going to grow your business and going to make you better as an entrepreneur. So listen up for that because there's some interesting things that we get into here. But most of all, I just want to say thank you for joining us on The Fizzle Show. Every week we talk about stuff that's interesting to indie entrepreneurs, people earning a living, doing something that they care about. And every week we want to try to help you get a little shot, a little booster shot of motivation, of, uh, like of inspiration, the good kind, the real kind, not just like doing what other people have done, but like trying to hear from your own self and in your own environment, like what should you be doing right now? Like what's next for you? That's what we're all about here. That's what we love to get into. So without any further ado, I'd like to say hello. Hello to my co-hosts, Corbett Barr. How are you doing, Corbett? Hey, fantastic. Happy to be here as always. Wow. And (laughs) Steph Crowder. Man, I don't know if I got to get on Corbett's level. That was just a great introduction. That was. Don't you think? It was very, uh, I don't know what it was. It was very panel. It was very panel. Is what yeah, it was. I feel like we did some power posing beforehand or something. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> oh, geez. I love that. <laughs> Steph, do you do some power posing? Is that a thing you do? Um, I mean, I know of it. I don't necessarily. Okay. I wanted Got to it. say that all of my poses are power poses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. When- what's an um power pose? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good, uh, man. I, I just, I had this little inkling, like this little hope that like Steph would have this moment going, um, this is kind of embarrassing, but yes, I, every morning before <laughs> well, I start li- the day. <laughs> listen, I will say it's actually, I didn't even mean to do this on purpose, but our topic today, this is very relevant. The biggest speaking gig, the biggest stage I ever stood on had maybe over 300 people and I was very nervous and I did do some power posing for that. So I have oh been known goodness. to strike a power poser too, just not daily. Oh my God. I love that. So Steph, from that, from your point of view, like what is, what can speaking get you? Hmm. I mean, okay, so just to even back up further than that, I think a lot of people are going to be excited to listen to this episode because how often over the past however many years we've all been doing this have we heard from people that one of their big stretch goals, they see themselves in five, 10 years, they they always say speaking. Like this is just something that 
for some reason, a lot of people feel called to do. Um, the idea of speaking is really exciting. I think at our core, all of us have something to share. And the idea of standing in front of a group of people and creating some impact is very, very exciting. Um, but in many cases, it's especially when you're first getting started, you're like, well, how in the world am I going to get there? In terms of what speaking can do for you, I think it can open up all kinds of different doors. I mean, first, first of all, it's possible to get paid for speaking, which is pretty cool. But on top of that, um, I think, man, there's just so many benefits. You go deeper into your own understanding of whatever your subject area is. I know every time I've spoken, it's it's forced me to get like to, to tighten down even more on the content mm, that I feel yeah. like I'm an expert in. Um, I've actually even developed a course in Fizzle through a speaking engagement. Uh, it was the goal setting course. I did that as a live presentation and then it became a course. So you can kind of test out your content. I feel like there's just so many benefits of getting to be up in front of a group of people. Uh, it's an adrenaline rush. I've, I've always said it's kind of like, I think for a lot of us, it's a version of skydiving. I have no interest mm. in skydiving, but I feel like it probably feels similar before you step out on a stage and then when you feel like you've done a really great job and people come up to you after it feels really great so uh number one i think is just a fun thing to do but it can also help you develop content create connections and uh, just go deeper into your expertise mm, indeed and i actually want to like provide the counterpoint to that as well which was kind of triggered by by you saying a lot of few people feeling called to speaking which let's be honest there makes a lot of sense why right you're in the audience there's someone on stage they look and sound great you're like i want to be doing that like they sound successful they look successful yeah. Yeah. they're like it like it's like it's this per it's this it's literally everything in our like little tribal old school lizard brains right or i guess this is more of our primate brain if there is a difference but like this is like it's so so pack oriented, isn't it? It's like there's the leader, and here's us down here. And there's this sense of like, I want to be the leader too. I want to be the one that everyone's looking at, going like, wow, that person's successful. Wow, that person's got it all figured out. But I would say, uh, as someone who has been so deeply motivated by that feeling for a great deal of my life, just just to be frank, insecurity, you know, being a very, being an insecure guy trying to learn how to do all of this charm and be on stage kind of stuff, which, which was a strategy I employed from an early age. I can say very clearly that being on stage, I needed to be there just because like, I just, I wouldn't be happy with myself if I wasn't there. But I was surprised to find what after I had been doing it for a while, after it was, you know, after it was something I learned how to do and I knew I could do well, I was surprised to find what were the things that actually mattered about it to me personally, as well as to my business and stuff like that. So I, I think we'll be getting into some of those things because it's not what I thought it would be. It's not that just as simple as like they're paying attention to me and mm -hmm. now I have control or I have status or I have this, that, and the other. Um, Corbett, when you think of the speaking stuff, you're someone who's done a lot of speaking in some big events and, uh, and someone who actually doesn't do very much speaking at all anymore, right? Who, who like, this is not something that is, that has like been that interesting. Like I remember you talking about going to a conference or something like that and just going, what am I going to, I'm going to get on a flight. I'm going to leave my comfortable, like amazing, beautiful home and the town I love and my wife to go, what, to go sit on a stage and like, talk about some stuff like it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing that really sparked you personally and yet you're one of the people i admire most about 
actually being an entrepreneur, actually building a successful business. What do you like speak about speaking from your perspective? Well, it's it's just kind of a for some reason for me a hassle. Um, yeah. And and I think that's because I don't do it frequently enough. Now, you know, there are moments when I'm up there or when the talk is over where I feel that rush. I feel that skydiving thing. And it feels great to have people look at you like, you know, you're some kind of, um, special expert just because you're on stage and people come up to you afterwards. And, and, and that feels great. And addressing, you know, several hundred people or whatever is, is definitely a rush and an ego stroke. But for me, I have to prepare so much to get to that point mm. that it's not just about the travel and the flight and all that kind of stuff. Although, the flight and, you know, getting there and all that, uh, for some reason is, is made worse when I'm about to go speak just because I'm like in the middle of practicing my talk and there's like stress and anxiety involved and so on. So I, I enjoy speaking, but I don't do it very often because it just takes so much mental effort. And, you know, to do it well, I feel like the better part of a month leading up to a talk for me is really focused on prepping that speech. Mm. And it's just really hard to justify that for me, spending all of that mm. effort. Now, a lot of people are better at just getting up on stage and winging it. Uh, or if you give talks more mm. frequently, I think you can kind of get in a groove where you've got things to pull out of your back pocket. Like, yeah. I know you, Chase, can kind of come up with a few themes that you want to hit and you can go into story mode for a while and, and get everybody's attention. For me, I just feel like I have to have everything kind of planned out or, you know, mm -hmm. it, uh, it really just makes me nervous. And, uh, well, well, that story mode for me is the thing everybody should be nervous about. I mean, you see it on this podcast all the time, right? That's the thing I've learned as well. Corbett is that like, I, you just, you gotta prepare a lot. And I'm, I bet there's some, tips that we all have on this today, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, so today, here's what we've done. We've all done a good deal of speaking. Speaking has been important to, to our businesses and our, and our entrepreneurial journeys personally for all of us. Even though Corbett's over here poo-pooing it, he's done it several times, and, and he didn't say no to those opportunities, right? Um, so this is something that can be, it can be instrumental in your business, both in finding out your peers, like we talked about last episode, talking about going to conferences or retreats and finding those peers is so critical. And Steph mentioned that new friendship she just, you know, sparked up with someone who happened to be a speaker, right? She was a speaker, Steph walked up, they started a budding friendship. That ended up being super instrumental on her on the rest of her life because that one friendship helped catalyze so many different important moments in her career. So from that perspective of meeting our peers, you might want to look at, at this idea of speaking. From that perspective of going deeper on the content and the topic that you really want to master, you might need to be thinking about speaking. Going deeper on growing your business, having more uh, mind share and expertise and status as an expert in your field, you might need to be thinking about starting a business. Going deeper in, uh, in a lot, I don't know, I, I could keep going. The point is, if you're thinking about speaking, buckle in because we have got each of us our best tips on speaking. We were both, we all, we all put together our, our list of like, here's our top three tips on speaking. 
Um, and so I'm very curious to see what we've all come up with. But I guess before we do that, and it's, by the way, it's not just speaking. It's also, it's getting the actual speaking. This is like one of the harder things, actually. You might have the best message in the world, but if you're, if you're undiscovered, if you haven't spoken somewhere else before, if people don't know if they can trust you on their stage, then how are you going to land or acquire or obtain that speaking gig? Right. And, and <laughs> let's be honest, not all speaking gigs are the same. You could go to the Better Business Bureau or the like Rotary Club in your, in your town. And, uh, and that might go one way. Or you could get on stage at a sexy, interesting conference like the 99U conference or the Convert Kit conference or World Domination Summit or something that's way more up your alley. Um, so we're going to talk about both those things landing, you know, getting these speaking gigs as well as how do you deliver the message? How do you put your message together and actually get on that stage confident instead of, you know, just horribly terrified, voice quavering, sweaty, clearly uncomfortable up there. I mean, these are the fears I think a lot of us have about what it would be like to get up there. But before we do do that, let's just, let's get through our sponsors now. First of all, we've got a, a sponsorship on this episode from Gusto. Gusto is payroll stuff. Corbett, rattle off some of the unbelievably true things about Gusto for us here. Yeah, Gusto makes payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small business owners like us. If you're growing a team, you need to make sure you've got all of the paperwork in place and that you're able to pay that team promptly. Gusto makes that actually kind of fun to do. I hate to say it, but I enjoy logging into Gusto and using that software for some reason because it's it's beautiful, it works well, and it just kind of gets out of the way like great software should. And Gusto uh, has 60,000 businesses using their platform, and if you would like to use Gusto to run payroll for your own business, even if you're just a one-person business, you can pay yourself using Gusto, and you can get three months of payroll for free by heading to gusto.com slash fizzle. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash fizzle. All right. Love that. And then also new sponsor, and this one's exciting. I think a lot of people need to listen to this to this company's name. They're called HoneyBook. All right. Steph, you mentioned HoneyBook to us a long time ago and mm-hmm. their services look really, really awesome. So we talked to Natalie Frank and got this little message from her about how she uses HoneyBook. I got into photography because I love documenting the most important days in people's lives, but I had no idea how much time I would spend running the business. HoneyBook changed all of that. It streamlines my entire process and handles everything about making my business thrive. So that's how HoneyBooks helped Natalie to get her creative passion from a side hustle to running a full-time business. Now, um, HoneyBook powers creative entrepreneurs like Natalie by taking care of things like business management... What's business management? I don't know. Do you need that? HoneyBook does that. Invoicing. We all need some invoicing if we want to get paid. Payment processing. That's super helpful. You send the invoice. They can pay right there. You don't have to worry about more credit card, yada, yada, yada. Right? HoneyBook does that. And they do a lot more. So you can do more of what you love instead of dealing with and researching and trying to install all this other bull crap. Now, HoneyBook is offering Fizzle Show listeners 30% off their first year of HoneyBook. Now, this is actually huge. It's like 40 bucks a month and you save quite a bit if you do it yearly. 
um, and you're getting 30% off your first year of HoneyBook. It's a suite of these uh, applications, like I said, invoicing, business management, payment processing, etc. You got to check out all the things they offer, and you can do that when you go to honeybook.com slash fizzle. All right, honeybook.com slash fizzle or use the promo code fizzle when you start a free trial. Our thanks to Honeybook and Gusto for supporting independent entrepreneurs like you guys listening and the Fizzle Show. Okay, awesome. Back to the episode. Now, let's talk about landing good speaker gigs. Let's, if, we, if you guys have some tips on this and stuff, I'd love to start with you. I know you've got one tip on, on landing good speaking gigs. What, what came to mind when you were thinking of what's a tip on how to get good speaking gigs? Yes. So I think I have two. The first one is I think might surprise some people. I'm curious to see if you guys think this might be surprising. I have been surprised by it. I'm calling this one nurture your network. Okay. So contrary to what a lot of people might think your, my experience has been your speaking gigs likely won't come from a lot of like the big influencer type people. I have been amazed actually every single speaking gig I've done, which at this point is probably Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've done probably about five and I've been invited to a few more that didn't work out. And every single time it has been someone who is like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast forever and I'm on this uh, conference planning committee for this conference or, um, you know, I'm on the staff for this organization and I listen to your podcast. Like, I, I don't know. In my head, I think I always imagined that you would need to be really visible and you get invited by some like head honcho, big influencer, big name type person. And it's been amazing to me, like just these sort of, I want to call them quote unquote, regular people who are just involved in the organization of conferences. Maybe it's their local community is, is putting together some kind of conference. Or I also spoke at a nutritional therapy uh, association conference. And there are some folks on that uh, staff that listen to this podcast and Courage and Clarity and have just always liked my input and invited me to come. So I've been really surprised. Like when I envisioned this years ago, I thought I would have to like link arms with people that I really, really looked up to. And that hasn't been the experience at all. These have been people that I didn't know who reached out and said, hey, we love what you have to offer. Would you be interested in coming? So um, that has been really surprising for me. And the other example of that too, is you mentioned that story, Chase, a few minutes ago of my friend Amanda Bolin from She Did It Her Way. We talked about that last episode about how, you know, we, we, she was a speaker. I went up to her. We had coffee just a couple months ago, maybe a month ago. I spoke at her conference. It's like when we sat down for coffee three years ago, I never thought that that opportunity would come my way. So I think it's really easy to overlook that like every time you put content out, every time somebody reaches out to you and sends an email or, you know, interacts with you on social, like, you know, you never know who these people are and what they're involved in. So I think it's really important to prioritize those connections with people. I know sometimes it feels like, oh, the comments on Instagram like are never going to go anywhere. But I've been really surprised by people that I've talked to online who ended up having some kind of pull and have invited me to things. So nurturing your network um, has been probably the most surprising way to land speaking gigs for me. Wow. Nurture your network. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know what? That kind of makes me think of too is, and it's not on my list, is this idea of don't despise the day of humble beginnings with your yeah. speaking. Like, like I think it's very easy to go, like, I want to be on that stage, the big lights, this many people, et, et, et cetera. When really, it, it, 
makes a lot more sense to just go with what like sort of find it, finds its way into your life, right? So if you if you don't have uh, like I don't know, it, it's hard. Like I'm curious, Steph, what do you think? Do you just do you just like mention it on Twitter? Like, hey, I'd like to do some speaking. Does anybody know of a place I should speak in the next year? Like when you're talking about nurturing your network, it sounds like you're sort of listening to what other people are doing and then maybe just you're just putting your message out there and not really talking about I want to speak somewhere. Is that right? So I come back around to me for the next round because I actually have one that's about actively pitching. This Uh one is more about like if you're more in the beginning stages and you're just building and you're just getting started and you're not super, super eager to speak, but like you hope to speak someday. I think the point is more that you like all of the seeds that you're planting right now when you're, uh, you know, creating content week in and week out, you're like hammering out the blog posts, you're posting the podcast. You're like, what the hell is all this for? The point is as you grow and you're like watching the numbers just go up bit by bit, I think more opportunities are going to naturally come your way. I don't think you need to put Mm. out like a huge call. That's like, I'm looking for speaking opportunities. I think what I'm suggesting is that there's probably like trust the process that as you become more visible and as you start to grow in a following, there will be some opportunities that people will knock on your door. So Mm. I don't know, take that for what it's worth. That's a little bit more of a, of a passive approach to speaking, but I've just been really surprised at how that's happened for me. And it also speaks to what to me is one of the basic, basically is the most important, um, uh, asset, I guess, of speaking. But the biggest reason why speaking for me is the network is, and I don't like that word, it's the relationships. Making friends with other speakers, being a speaker and getting in, involved in, in the things that speakers get to be involved in, um, just being someone that, that uh, gets to meet other people, it's like, I don't know. It's something about it is has led to some of the most important relationships in my entire life, and uh, and that's kind of what your tip, your first very first tip is. And I think that's right on the nose. This idea that like your the value will come from the relationships that you already have, as well as the relationships that you're going to be meeting when you're involved in these conferences and stuff like that. So I think that's a great tip, Steph. And Corb, I want to pitch over to you. Like what, what's, when you think of landing clients or not clients, but, uh, but speaking gigs, what comes to mind? Yeah. And, and uh, just right before that, I, I just wanted to add on to what you were just saying, Chase. And that is we, you know, we talked an episode or two ago about conferences and retreats and going to them, what the value is in going to those. And, I think all of us agreed that the relationships that you make at conferences, you never know where those are going to go, right? And a lot of them end up leading to massive opportunities, to partnerships, to deep friendships. There's all kinds of really great things that come from meeting people at conferences. And when it comes to speaking, there is no better way to put yourself in a position to meet as many great people at conferences as you possibly can than by speaking at that conference, right? When you go from being a participant to being someone on stage, suddenly it opens up all kinds of doors. You get to talk to all of the rest of the speakers, and oftentimes those speakers are really great people to meet, and people who are attending the conference tend to want to talk to you as well. So speaking is a great way to kind of multiply the relationship effect that you get at a conference. And um, for me, I'll, you know, I'll say I think there are two ways to go about 
getting speaking gigs. Um, one is the passive way that Steph mentioned, and then the other is the active way where you are positioning yourself as someone who is a good speaker and available for speaking gigs. And I'm, you know, more of the passive type like Steph as well. I've never sought a speaking gig. I haven't written anybody, haven't asked anybody about speaking. They just kind of come my way. And that's all happened because I've built a, a public persona, a following, um, through blogging, through podcasting, a little bit through video. And the speaking opportunities just come because of that. Even though I have never uh, put a speaking page on my website or written about it, uh, I still tend to get a handful of opportunities every year. And then I pick one, maybe two of those if I'm, I'm feeling, you know, um, outgoing that year for some reason to do based on the ones that seem the most fun or they're in places that I want to go or the timing works or whatever. So for me, the biggest tip for getting speaking gigs is to start a blog, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel, Mm. build Mm. your own following first. And then either speaking gigs will come your way, or you can use that platform to start soliciting speaking gigs, depending on whether you're the passive or the active type. Mm-hmm. Mm. So tell more, talk more about this, Corb. Just like what, because I, I, in some ways, it, it's it's like, oh, duh, um, yeah. Like who gets asked to speak? People who have an audience already, yeah. right? The same thing with like who gets to <laughs> who gets to publish a book these days, right? It's been like common knowledge that book publishers are like the first question they ask you is how many followers do you have, right? You yeah. submit mm-hmm. this proposal and and then they're like, okay, so how many initial sales can we get from the audience you've already created? That's yeah. that's sort of the most important piece for a first time author. Which is which seems a little bit like the cart before the horse, right? It's like, wait a minute, I need this book to go out so I can build my audience. Um, but the tables have really turned. The democratization of the internet and of audience access in general means if you're not doing something on one of these free channels, free is in quotes there, by the way, one of these free channels, and you're not already gathering some people who are interested in what you're doing, then it's like, wait, wait, sorry, what do you have to offer me again? And I think that that is a bit of a double-edged sword, which sucks, because I think the people who I want to hear from most, to be honest right now, are some of like the old Buddhas of business who just, they they don't have a Twitter account. Like they don't, they're like, they're like, blogging was a trend 20 years ago that we watched and and I guess it's still around. I don't know. I'm too busy making money, serving my clients, making a real business. There's this great argument to be made for people uh, being on stage who don't have these things. And you might have a deep expertise in something and look at creating an audience on blogging or YouTubing or Instagram or something like that and go like, ugh, what a nightmare. But the truth is, if you're Likely, likely, if you're listening to this, it's because that's exactly what you want to be doing. You don't just want to be speaking. You want to be building a holistic kind of brand. God, I hate that term and idea, but that personal brand, because uh, to be frank, that's sort of really valuable. It is a kind of currency today. And that's what Corbett's saying is that that's the currency that gets cashed in, uh, in exchange for being on stage, you know, and, and ironically or not ironically and subsequently, it actually grows your brand to be doing that. You know, um, it's a really good point, Corbett. I mean, I don't know, Steph, what's the, what do you think of with that bit with Corbett? 
Yeah, I think it's totally true. I think, you know, delineating between the passive approach and the active approach, I I couldn't agree more that putting in the work of building that audience, it is going to naturally generate not just speaking gigs. I think about like pod invitations to be on people's podcasts. I think that shares a border with this conversation. I mean, it just makes sense that as you grow, you're going to have more and more opportunity. Mm. Um, as far as the more active approach, I do have a little tip for that. Maybe this would be a good time to share that. Do it, um, yeah. So but my first one was nurturing your network, right? Which I think is very similar to what Corbett was talking about with, with building your audience. Um, if you are going to go the active route, though, uh, this tip I'm going to call pitch the result. So mm. this is kind of hearkening back to my uh, fun fact that people probably know if they've listened to the show for a while. But my career before I was this whole like weird internet person was sales training. So I've stood up in front of you know people every single week. I did that for five years. So I have a lot of uh, speaking experience. And because of that, I also have a lot of experience with adult education and how adults learn, which is totally different than children. And it's super fascinating because there's basically a whole bunch of evidence that says that human, like adult humans don't remember anything unless they actually apply it. Like you have to actually apply something during a presentation or a workshop or else it's like, you'll feel like, oh, that was a great talk for like five seconds and you're not going to do anything with it. It gets shoved in a drawer and it's gone. So that really stuck with me. So pitching the result I, when I do a speaking gig of any, any kind, and even on a podcast, you know, appearance or something, I always try to think about how am I going to make this actionable for people? So if you ever happen to see me speaking in person, I am going to make you get out your notebook and pen. Like you are going to have to walk away with a result. Um, otherwise it's just not, it's just not going to stick. I think sometimes I know if I look back on when I used to imagine being on a stage, I think a lot of us imagine, you know, I hear people say like, I want to be the next Tony Robbins or the next Oprah. And those are highly inspirational people who can kind of move a crowd with like sentiment. Um, but I have found that organizers of conferences love when you tell them what the learning objective is going to be. Like, what are people going to walk away with? What would make someone want to come and sit in your workshop? So I have some examples of this off of recent speaking gigs that I've done. So one of them was, you'll have your goals set for the next six months by the time you leave this workshop. Another one was, you'll have a script ready to interview customers to validate your product. And uh, another one was, you'll have next week totally planned and optimized for actually growing your business. So Mm. those are great. It's great to focus on the result, whether you're pitching yourself or if someone came to you, they're eventually going to ask you for like a blurb for their program or website or whatever. It's really great to lead with, hey guys, here's what you're going to walk away with from this workshop. Um, So if you are pitching yourself actively, make sure that you're leading with that because Think about it. If you were organizing a conference, you would want to be able to, you know, guarantee to your attendees, like, hey, you're actually going to get something out of this. And it just makes you really appealing as a speaker. So if you are going to be actively pitching, think about the result, think about what people are going to walk away with. Um, and I find that that makes the whole like sculpting of the, of the talk a lot easier as well. Mm, this is good. And you know what I noticed in your three things that you mentioned was it's a simple formula of like, you will have yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So you will have dot dot dot, or like I always think about you'll you know you mentioned it just then what you'll walk away with. Yeah. But what what oftentimes that can be, um, I always take that and go into the realm of like you'll know the difference between this and this. You know, you like you'll know something. You know, because for me it seems like very clear that whatever I think 
whatever, I, like my knowledge is sort of my ability to have power in the world to sort of make things happen. If I think that I can be a successful, if I can, if I think I can grow my Twitter followers by 20,000 people this month, then, uh, then I will be dealing with a lot of disappointment if that is not a possibility, right? So knowing what is possible, knowing what is probable, knowing how to do things. I always love teaching these kinds of, these kinds of things so people can figure out what they, what they want to do next. But what I like about the way that you've put that together is it's less ethereal. It's less mm-hmm. co- uh, conceptual. It's more, it's just straight up nuts and bolts. At the end of this talk, you will have next week planned. Yeah. At the end of this of this talk, you will have your goals for the next six months set down. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like that. That's really concrete. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Now, is that always easy for you to get concrete like that? Is that? Do you have any tips on? Because I know a lot of people are going to go like, "Dude, that is dope. How do I do that?" And they're going to they're going to sit down. They're going to try to come up with something, and it's going to be like, "Is that a good one?" Yeah. Well, you know what that brings to mind for me? We've talked on the show a number of times about what we call the transformation, right? We've talked about the, you know, people coming to you at point A and you getting them to point B by building that bridge. I think this starts with the transformation. So if you imagine like, okay, I've got the speaking gig coming up. What do I want to talk about? Or I want to pitch a speaking gig. What do I want to talk about? I think starting with the question, like, what do I feel uniquely positioned to guide people through? Um, they start at A, I want them to get it B, and then what is that going to look like? So, you know, for me, everybody knows I'm like a kind of a productivity guru in terms of optimizing your week for success. So I know that when people come to me, they're like, I'm a hot mess and I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do first. And where I want to get them to is like, you got a game plan. You're good to go. So I think when you start with that transformation, then you can just reverse engineer it from there. Love it. I love that. Okay. So anybody have any more Corbett, you, you or Steph have any more things on landing, uh, landing the speaking gigs before we move on into actually putting together your message and delivering it? Just one, just one quick thing, which is, uh, you know, if you are really interested in giving speaking gigs, like this is something you want to do and you're having trouble getting on that big stage or whatever, start by doing the workshops and kind of the side stage things at conferences. A lot of times conferences don't only have main stages, but they also have all kinds of other things happening that you can maybe volunteer for, or you can pitch and reach out and say, Hey, I'd love to do a workshop on this, or I'd love to do a small talk on that. And uh, a lot of times those are much easier to get. And that's a good way to kind of get your feet wet. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And, and my, I mean, my points have all been on, on landing gigs have all been reiterated already. Um, I love Steph's point on on what's the concrete thing you're going to walk away with mm-hmm. and and how what am I personally uniquely positioned to deliver a message on to help someone get from point A to point B on. I think that's just critical. It's crucial. You'll see why in some of, in some of my tips on on how to put together your message and deliver it um specifically, but for me I always think about this like what is valuable in the thing you want to speak about. Like what's the value you're actually going to offer someone and then you pitch that value, right? You pitch that like actual usefulness. And so Steph's in Steph's case it's like it's like people aren't getting as much done as they could simply because they don't have a game plan. I will help them get the game plan. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's just pitching on what the value of the talk actually is. I think that's great. Okay, cool. So let's switch over into delivering and putting together our message. And you 
you know what? I'll start here. Um, we've already talked about this, knowing what you want them to walk away with and why it matters to them. This is sort of a, just a straight up reiteration of what Steph was talking about before, but I'm going to add a little document in here that you can download right now that can make this super, 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 super easy for you. It is the 80-20 sketch sheet from our, um, from just our free guides giveaways. You can find that on a link at this show. Uh, well, this is episode what? 270, you guys. Wow. Episode 270. Happy, uh, 270. 70 anniversary, you guys. Uh, the, so the eighty twenty copywriting sketch sheet gets you right. It gets you like all these results from twenty percent of the work, right? It's all the important stuff in this quick little sheet that you print out and you just you just quickly scribble out your ideas on these things, um, or you can just you know do it in a, a document on your computer or something like that, answering the questions. Um, this is something we use all the time when we're doing a course, a blog post, a podcast. A, a message, right? So anytime we have a, a message of any kind, sales pages or speaking at conferences, doing this kind of thing, using the 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet is just one of these extremely tangible worksheets that's going to do a bunch of things for you. Namely, it's going to help you figure out exactly what you want to talk about. It's also going to help you figure out exactly what others are already thinking about about this topic, which is important. You have to get into the skin of your audience. You have to understand, you have to walk a mile in their shoes, look through their eyes and point of view, right? Then you can figure out how your message kind of needs to go a lot better. Um, so this 80-20 copywriting sketch sheet, to me, is one of the biggest tips that we've, one of the biggest sort of, uh, I don't know, aids that we have in putting together one of these messages just because it's going to help you set up even if even if all you use from there is 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 in the introduction because it's like on a sales page right one of the mo- the most important thing on a sales page is the headline and then the next most important thing is the next section and the next most important thing is the next section because it's like how do i get their attention and then how do i keep it right and in speaking you have to do this work up front to get their attention and help them to realize it's valuable to listen to this. This There's something in this I want. This isn't just someone on stage begging for my attention, right? And the 8020 copywriting sketch sheet just helps you put that together, which by the way, we should come up with a simpler, cleaner, easier name for that thing. We should call it like Marcus or something. The Marcus <laughs> document or something like that because the 8020 copywriting sketch sheet is just like long to say all the time. So that's my first one is just simply using that document is going to help you get a lot of clarity on your message. Wondering who wants to go next here, guys. Steph? <laughs> After you, Steph? Sure. sure, I'll go. Mine is quick um, because I feel like I already kind of dipped into uh, th- that piece that I already shared is probably like my number one tip for actually delivering uh, the talk, but another one that I feel like is also old school and Chase, I've heard you say this before too. And I just think it's really helpful. I don't know where this came from, but it's a mantra that was drilled into me again, back in my training days, which is anytime you're giving any kind of talk or speaking engagement, it's the framework of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them, right? Meaning that's like a mouthful, but 
uh, anytime you're creating like content that you plan to stand up and deliver. So you're thinking about how you're going to actually like lay out the slides. This is where I always start after I've done that transformation piece that we already talked about. I know that I'm obviously going to teach them something. That's the tell them part. But I think something like if, if you sit in enough rooms and workshops, you'll see how often people dive like right into the content and it actually feels a little bit like whiplash. So when you're laying out how the talk is going to go, it's really useful to upfront outline, hey, this is what we're going to learn today. You're going to learn to do A, B, C, and D. Then you take them through it and then you summarize it all and put a nice tidy bow on it. It's a really simple tip, but I know for me, when I've created any kind of live training, sometimes I really freeze up with like a blank. There's nothing worse than like a blank PowerPoint document. (laughs) You're like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, where do I start? So this framework of tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. You already kind of have like kind of reminds me of when you were in grade school and they told you about how to write a paper and they were like introduction, then the body and the conclusion. It's no different for a live talk. And I think just having that framework in mind um, can be a great first step to actually developing what the content's going to be for the talk. Yeah, I love that. It makes me think of um, a, a tip that I, I didn't write down, but I was thinking of, of saying this one instead of the 80-20 copywriting sketchy. But then I realized that 80-20 copywriting sketchy gets you most of the way to this thing. But but when you're thinking about a message, you, you, delivering something on stage, you need to think about it in terms of there's one thing you're saying. There's only one thing you're saying. Yeah. Like for, you know, it's just like, it's like you need to know how to plan your week yeah. in order to be successful, right? It just, it could be that that's what, that's your thesis, right? That's your thing that, 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 and I like coming up with things like that and then figuring out how to, how to like so for instance if i if i can get to that as my thesis if i say like what am i uniquely this is kind of developing a little bit of a framework here i don't know if you guys are noticing but the question is like what am i uniquely positioned to speak about to help somebody understand or to get right what am i uniquely positioned to do in that and so it's like well i i used to not have uh, not not know how to plan my week. I took it very seriously for a very long time. I realize now how important it is to be able to plan your week easily. I help a lot of people with that all the time. This is something I could talk on, right? So I'm uniquely positioned for this. So what's the thesis statement almost thing is you need to know how to plan your week or planning your week every week will be the backbone of your success or what, however you want to phrase it, whatever you think it needs to sound like. Let's go with you need to know as an entrepreneur, you need to know how to plan your week and you need to do this every week, right? If you want to be, if you want to be productive, if you want to be successful, if you want to be all this other stuff. So I think of that as a statement, right? And then it's like, I kind of go into, into a place where I sort of try to split my mind into two personalities, which can be dangerous for some of us, but, <laughs> but some of us are you know, we're just better at this than others. Shut up. No, I'm talking here. Okay. So um, <laughs> that what I do then is it's a little bit of devil's advocate. It's a little bit of like uh, one person A says, uh, you know, Chase on stage says, you need to know how to schedule and plan your week every week. Person B says, <laughs> why? <laughs> or something right? like doesn't, doesn't buy it. Prove it. Prove it. Right. And then the, so we need to prove it right there. So it's like, all right, what's the story that can get me to prove this? And it's probably going to be my own story or something like that. We need to figure out, it's like, there's a question there. How do we prove this? Then the, then the dialogue goes to, um, after we've 
quote unquote, this is our first attempt at proving it to person B. Then it, let's say person B goes like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll allow this for a little while. My worry about this is X or how, uh, like, how will I know if my, my week is planned? Or uh, like, there's some great, great questions that you can ask yourself if you just sort of don't be the speaker for a little while. If you get into sort of audience mode and not just audience mode, but you get into like someone who is very smart and talented and is clearly on the path towards success going, I don't believe you or asking a constructive question about that. And what I can do is kind of, I almost like find that in going back and forth between these two for a handful of questions and answers, I can kind of get to at least a rough draft of the outline of the talk in just a few minutes. And then I go back and go like, all right, so I need to prove it to this guy up front. And then he asks this question and that was good. So that makes me think of this one story where my dad drove the Ferrari and the yada, yada, yada. Because what I know (laughs) is that that great messages are like 70% stories. And half the time you don't even know what the story has to do with the message until the person who's speaking goes and it like tells you why. This is Steph why I think listening to Rob Bell is such a delight. Mm-hmm. Is because I went to one of his like how to be a communicator seminars down in LA and this is what he talked about doing. Not necessarily the question thing, but it's like he'll have like five or three to five bits where it's like, you need to know how to plan your week. That's just in a box at the top of the page. Um, and then there's another thing, which is like, uh, you know, planning, planning actually is easy. And then there's another thing, which is, which is like, um, I don't know, so, some, something else, for example. And then underneath each of those, it's like a story or a quote or the little things that he has to support that. I'm sort of getting long-winded and probably way too detail-oriented for the purposes of this talk right now. But the point being, getting into um, that mode of tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and then tell them what you've told them just reiterates this idea that there's one thing that you're saying through this. It's your thesis. And every thesis needs to be supported somehow because very smart people will not take you at your word simply because you said so. And you would do very well to ask yourself to like say, here's my thesis, and then switch into someone else's frequency and go like, Someone who's smart, like a Corbett bar is a great example. Like B Corbett. <laughs> That's the shirt I want to make. B Corbett. Hashtag B Corbett for a little while because what Corbett's always been able to bring for my creative work is, is this kind of thing like, like, all right, what if it doesn't work? Or not, not just that, but, uh, but like why or prove it or how do you know this is going to work or something like that. And if, there's something, if there's anything I've learned in the last five years, it's that that question and that kind of questioning actually makes your work better and that you only survive with good work, not with good intentions, you know? So, um, I don't know. Hopefully something in there sticks for some of you people out there, some of you crazy people out there. Uh, Corbett, I want to switch it over to you and hear what do you think about when you think about um, tips for people putting together a message and delivering it? Well, I'm just going to give everybody a resource that... They, if you're thinking about giving a talk, you need to read this book. And it's not so much reading. There's a lot of visual aids in this thing. And, and this mm. is a book called Resonate by Nancy Duarte. And um, we know about 
resonate partly because a, a friend of ours, Mike Pacione, actually works for Duarte and delivers workshops around the country to Fortune 500 companies, teaching people how to be more persuasive on stage in front of an audience. And Resonate, the book, is really about using speaking as a tool for persuasion. Basically, her thesis is that when you're on stage, your goal is to transform your audience from this to that. Talk about what is and what could be and convince people of your vision and how that transformation is possible. And um, she does a lot to break down really fascinating research about the way that stories are told, the way that cinema tells stories and how to structure those stories so that you can be as convincing as possible on stage. So that mm. book is called Resonate, and it's a really easy read, uh, the kind of thing that you could read on a plane on the way somewhere. And um, I just, it, it really opened my eyes to not only to give better talks, but to be able to break down talks, especially great talks. When you see someone on stage like Steve Jobs, you can go, Ah, I understand why he's doing it this way because mm. you've you've broken things down through this tool resonate. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's a very good book and even the visual guides in there are just like super helpful for thinking about how to communicate complex topics and using um using little, I don't know, little geometric sort of shapes or symbols that are so useful for, like, for instance, the Venn diagram we've all seen before, three overlapping circles, like that kind of thing, and just go like, all right, use a Venn diagram in your talk, like label these, <laughs> right? That kind of thing can be just so helpful in, in communicating a concept to people because they really can grok it when they see it sort of visually like that, and the book's just chock full of stuff like that. Um, Steph, do you, have, do you have any other tips to add? I don't think so. I think that's the bulk of what I've got. Um, I hope people out there, I know for some people I've heard the idea of speaking uh, is akin to being covered in snakes, like <laughs> something that's very scary, but uh, it can be a really fun and cool experience. So I hope some people out there uh, got something good out of this and can go try to do some speaking. Yeah, I love that. I love that too. I have one more little tip before, like just on the way out here. Corbett, do you have others? No, I'm, I'm good. You're flesh out at this point. Got it. My one tip is, uh, final tip here is to record yourself, either video or audio. Honestly, audio mm. is probably fine. I put my phone literally in a, I got put on a shirt that has a pocket, a breast pocket, and I put my phone in there. And then I walk around the room, my office, normally yelling quite loud, making myself laugh and giving the message and then listen to it. And practice this over and over and over again. If you do this, you will get better. You absolutely will. Um, there's still a lot of places where you will make mistakes because when you get up on stage and you start seeing people, how they react to it, you'll be like, oh, I wish I would have changed, changed the order on this. I wish I had a better story up front for X, Y, and Z. You know, Things will change like that. But practicing your talk is the name of the game is what I've learned. And honestly, it's just, it's kind of, this is this is the thing you will resist. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is very resisty. But if you just say, screw it, buck up, pal, I have to do this. If you get an accountability buddy that's like, make sure that I practice this talk two times this week, two times next week, because I'm speaking in three weeks um, or something like that. And, and do it 
come up with some plan and do it. That is what will make you so much more confident when you get on stage. Because just simply practicing it a handful of times, like lots of times, again and again and again, will get you to the point where you are just so tired of giving this talk. <laughs> so, and you just know it all in and out, and you have your little, your little like outline in your head or your little bits that you need for memory, like knowing what what happens when. And that's what allows you to really be on stage and and do the most important part, which is really being yourself. Nothing's going to sell you on stage like you being you. And it's a very big challenge to do so, but it is extremely invigorating to be able to do it. And I wish that for, for all you all listening, because to feel comfortable on stage, sharing something you know is valuable is a very, very cool feeling. You know it's valuable. You're watching people get it. You're being. You're you're working to to uh, to make it exciting for them because you yourself are excited by the topic and the idea, and that is just honestly that's just gold. So, um, like Steph said, we hope that you kind of get you can get yourself into a speaking event, uh, some sort of gig, if that's what you're looking for, uh, large or small, and that it can help you get comfortable in your own skin as you're delivering your message. It can help you go deeper on the topic that you really want to be an expert in and develop that expertise in, and most importantly, can help you develop the friendships and the relationships with people that are going to be like lifelong partners with you uh, and friendships and sounding boards and confidants as you're building your business through the next you know decade or two um it can't be overstated just how important those relationships are all right guys is that it everybody good do you feel good about this episode feel great feel feel really good feeling good harry looking good james All right, so that is episode 270 of The Fizzle Show. You can find all the show notes and links at uh, fizzleshow.co slash 270. That's fizzleshow.co slash 270. Our thanks to Honeybook and Gusto for supporting this episode. You can find links to them there as well, fizzleshow.co slash 270. And our thanks especially to you for listening if you... Uh, if you haven't yet maybe find someone that you could share the show with maybe spread some love on the social networks those are uh, new websites that have been created that uh, you can actually share what you're eating for lunch and uh, people will pay attention oh i'll be damned uh talk to you guys later loved chatting with you loved this uh conversation and wishing you all the best find care take care serve hard and dig in talk to you next week on the fizzle show bye-bye